Thank you for tuning in to episode one of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast. Uh, one of the main purposes of this podcast is to help connect our church members to our missions partners. And so today I am joined by one of our missions partners, Brandon Brinkley. Uh, Brandon, could you just briefly introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. Uh, so my name, like Zach said, I'm Brandon and I live in Lubbock, Texas, and I have a wife, Kinsey. And two kiddos, Asher and Ren, and we have one on the way, and we don't know what the gender is yet, and so we don't have like a an official name, but we're expecting to add another another kid to the bunch, and um, yeah, so that's a little bit about us. We're in Lubbock, <clears throat> and we've been here for almost a decade. But I grew up in Amarillo, um, went to TBC growing up all my life, basically. And um, Trinity Baptist Church holds like a pretty near and dear uh, place in my heart um, just because I attribute a lot of my love for Jesus and his kingdom and what I'm doing just from those formative formative years of my life in early childhood into uh, high school. And so I'm really grateful uh, to be here and grateful uh, for the TBC family. Yeah. And so uh, Brandon and I grew up together. Uh, we were old high school friends and still friends to this day, although we probably don't talk as much as we would like uh, just being separated, you know, me and Amarillo and Brandon in Lubbock. But I think the people want to know, Brandon, what's the better place to live, Amarillo or Lubbock? You know, I feel like Amarillo got cool when I left. Um, I don't know if that was just because I left and, you know, it was a place that I grew up and all of it was familiar. And then when I was gone for a certain amount of time, I looked back and there's like all these cool food places and this, um, you know, coffee culture that didn't exist when I was there. And so I think Amarillo has got a, a step up on, on Lubbock. Um, and I don't know if that's just because Lubbock's become familiar to me at this point. And if you have the, the opposite view, um, but I think Amarillo is cooler for sure. And you are, you would consider yourself to be a coffee snob, right? I mean, I wouldn't say snob. I'll drink uh, Starbucks. I'll drink McCafe and enjoy it. Um, but I also enjoy a good cup of coffee. Okay. Um, well, I guess that's fair. Uh, I, I can pretty much drink any cup of coffee. I'm not really very particular. I will say that our pastor here at Trinity, Nate, um, he he's pretty particular. He he wants you to drink it black or else he he kind of gives you a hard time about it. So you, you got to be in your game when you're around Nate, um, at least ready to defend right. yourself if you're going to have any kind of cream. Yep. I mean, I'll put a little cream in my coffee if it's like 6 a.m. in the morning and it's one of those McCafe brews. Um, <laughs> but I think where I dr draw the line is the instant coffee. Like that's not real yeah. coffee. I'm yeah. So, um, but I think the ceiling is only up from there. And so it just gets better um, as you get more quality coffee, but I'll still drink uh, anything above that instant coffee. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Amarillo is superior to Lubbock coming from someone who currently lives in Lubbock. And uh, I hope that your friends over there in Lubbock don't give you too hard a time if they hear the podcast episode. So, <laughs> all right, well, let's we'll, get we'll into see. talking. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about your your ministry. We want to get to know your ministry yeah. better. So first, could you just give us a brief description of the ministry that you do there in Lubbock? Yeah, so I work for an organization called Launch Global, and I thought it'd be helpful just to give um, Launch Global 
people's mission statement and kind of work from there uh, briefly just to describe, um, you know, why we exist, but also the the different facets of what we do sure. in ministry and then how that plays out practically where I'm located. So the mission statement is this. So it says, Launch Global exists to mobilize churches to develop laborers and leaders who multiply healthy churches among unreached people groups. And so it's very niche, um, I would say. Um, you know, we're not um, just a general mobilization ministry. Um, you know, I'm thinking of other organizations like Radical, which I love Radical and love what they do and they, what they do um, serves a specific purpose um, for the kingdom of God. Um, and so Launch Global <clears throat> would be different in the sense that we're partnering specifically um, with local churches, but embedded into these local churches as a local church. <clears throat> and so I'll talk through that um, and what that means practically in a second, but I just wanted to uh, briefly um, define what we mean by unreached people groups, and then I'll work from there. And so an unreached people group is someone who has little to no access to, to Jesus or a whole segment of a society or a population within a country. Um, and so this would be mainly in places like among uh, uh, peoples across North Africa, Middle East, South Asia, Southeast Asia, East Asia. Um, you can Google the 1040 window and just research for yourselves just the state of those places in terms of like gospel witness. And it's very slim. Um, yeah. And so we're, we're talking, you know, different. It's different between or it's a diff, there's difference between lostness and unreached. Lostness is everywhere. Right. Uh, my next door neighbor is lost. And the reason right. I know that is because um, I'm their neighbor and we've had conversation and he doesn't uh, follow Jesus, but he knows about Jesus. Um, because he's my neighbor, <laughs> um, or we've uh, we've got a church right down the street that he could freely walk into. Um, and so, when I talk about unreached, or when we uh, say unreached, um, there are no neighbors who know Jesus. Um, right. We're we're luckily. talking about access, right? Access to right. gospel, access to a gospel witness, right? And there's not a church down the corner that they could freely walk into. Right. And so in, in one sense, that's a grace that God's given us where we live. Like, praise God that there's churches on the corner that people can freely walk to. And it's you know, the statistic is four out of 10 people are going to walk through those church doors. And that's a grace. Right. Um, and so that's reality in Amarillo and Lubbock uh, that we should celebrate. Um, but that doesn't exist in these unreached places. And so just as an organization um, and as a, a you know local church where I'm at, we long to see these places have access to Jesus. Um, and there's biblical reason for that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth. And uh, he commands his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And that word nation actually is translated, uh, I don't know Greek. You probably know more than me, Zach. Um, <laughs> actually, you do. I know, I know you know more than me in terms of that. <laughs> but what I've been told is that word is actually where we get our word ethnicities from. And so this is yeah. a central theme all throughout scripture, um, that Jesus would be worshiped by all peoples of the earth. Um, it's a picture that we get in Revelation 7, 9. It's a consistent theme throughout the Old Testament. And so just a biblical conviction for this is that this is what God desires. And so this is what we should desire. Um, and, and so that's why we're focusing on uh, people groups, specifically unreached, um, outside of like a geopolitical nation. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think um, I'm totally with you. Um so when we think about reaching every nation, 
um, what you're saying is what we're really talking about biblically is reaching people groups. Um, so, so we're talking about unreached people groups, so people who do not have any access to the gospel. And so w- what our goal should be as Christians is to go and reach those people groups. So we could probably say that um, in every country on the earth, there's somebody who has heard the gospel. So if you think of it in that sense, then you could say that we've reached the nations. But biblically, we're talking about ethnic groups or people groups. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's where you're coming from and, and what you mean when you say unreached people groups. Right. Yep. That's right. Right on. And just organizationally, that's our conviction to be about what we're doing. And so um, the second part of that mission statement that I want to highlight is mobilize churches. And so what this looks like practically in our context in Lubbock, we partner with churches like Redeemer Church um, here. And um, it's been in existence for 15 years. And from the beginning, um, they desired to send out long-term laborers to unreached people groups. Um, that was part of their vision, their desire, uh, felt like from the Lord, this is a, a role that they could play in the kingdom. And a unique aspect of our church is that there's um, uh, a large amount of college students in what we would say like are our most mobilizable population because we have them for four years. Um, you know, they're 18 to 25 years old and they can do anything in life. And so once they're like gripped with the kingdom of God and the value and worth of it, you know, this reality um, that there's people in the world that have never heard about Jesus before they're, they're leaning in or like, what, what can I do? What, how can I join God and seeing uh, not just this change um, in our, in our day of age, but looking to the day that Jesus comes back and we get to be with him for eternity with all peoples. And so that's the second, um, you know, uh, thing about what we do is we're focused on the local church. We love local church. It's God's plan A to see the world reach with the gospel. Yeah. And I'll just uh, quickly uh, define that word mobilizer, uh, mobilization. Uh, What we're talking about there is um, basically um, giving people the desire and the capability to go overseas. And so when we say that, that Brandon works as a mobilizer, what we mean is, and what he's saying is, he, he's looking for college students specifically who would be willing to give their time, uh, their resources, their energy to go overseas to attempt to reach unreached people groups. And so um, in that sense, he's mobilizing those college students um, in order that they would be able to go overseas. And so that's a missions term that we use pretty frequently, but I just want to make sure that everyone's on the, the same page with what we mean uh, when we say mobilizer or mobilization. Right. And it's actually a military term, right? If you're going to mobilize an army into battle, like there's things that precede that soldier going into battle. And so right. um, the the church has kind of hijacked it um, and we, we've kind of hijacked it, but it makes sense for the kingdom of God, especially, especially for those who are going to go to unreached places. There's a little bit more things involved in what it would take to thrive in that place. So no, def- definitely. I think you're, you're, you're spot on. So the next part is develop labors and leaders. I'll just briefly describe this because I know um, we want to move on to some other questions, but um, the develop labors and leaders is like the the niche part of Launch Global, what we provide for the local church. And this is where the resourcing is involved in what um, we give uh, and bless local church with. And so there's a team of us here at Redeemer, six of us in Lubbock, uh, mobilizing. And what our time is involved doing is um, doing um discover, develop, and deploy. So discover would be we help 
young adults or college students just place themselves in the Great Commission and then begin to take tangible steps to discern um, their calling in life, uh, but um, influence largely and mainly by God's kingdom and where it's going. And so how does your career fit into this? Or should I give this up and go overseas long-term? That sort of thing. And we help people discern that. I think of Ryan Miller, um, uh, youth pastor of old from Trinity Baptist Church, a legacy that he created, I think, um, uh, or that the Lord used him to create there in Amarillo and at Trinity Baptist was uh, helping people understand discipleship and the impact that could follow. And yeah, um, yeah he, uh, he helped me understand that the gospel wasn't meant to stay in Amarillo, but was meant to go into all the world. And he would pray that like God would raise up students to go and live and die for the sake of the gospel among unreached people groups. And I thought that was normal. Um, but without Ryan, <laughs> I don't think I would have, un- I don't think I would have like realized that that is a, a biblical theme. Right. And so it makes yeah. me thankful for Ryan. And I have the privilege of like standing in that gap for a lot of college students here in Lubbock who are unaware that that is a central theme throughout scripture. And so some of these college students are like stirred by this biblical reality and develop a conviction of saying, I think I want to go overseas long-term. And so we take them through a missionary training um, that helps them learn practical disciple-making skills and uh, to operate like in a team setting so that when they go, they could thrive uh, in a team um, uh, among the unreached um, after they learn language um, that they would be ready and able to make disciples because they've done that uh, for a significant season here and Lubbock. And so then we deploy them as a, as a local church to go, um, to, uh, unreached people groups, but with, um, with and to existing, uh, and strategic opportunities among the unreached where teams are already, uh, working largely. So that's the deploy aspect of that. Yeah. And could you just talk really quickly about some of the things that y'all do in that training? Like, could you maybe uh, talk a little bit about fishing, I know y'all do some early morning prayer times. Uh, maybe you could just yeah. give a little rundown of that. So the the basic premise of the training is, um, well, it, it, it kind of birthed out of two problems. So most people come back from the field um, before or after their first term. And so that's like two to three years. Um, and it often takes like seven to 10 years to actually see any established work happen in these places. So um, uh, long global looked at this and they were like that's a problem right people aren't lasting as long as they should or could um to see and obviously it doesn't depend on us but we're joining god in what he's doing and moving and working in and so um and it would require some like physical presence and lasting in these places and so the top two reasons people two reasons people come home from the field are they just lack experience locally like they get on a plane with good passion and desire to see a place reach. And they, they love the idea, but they had never shared their faith um, back home. And so we, we address that and like, Hey, let's spend um, a season of our life uh, specifically these nine months, but beyond that of just actively and weekly daily sharing our faith with people around us. And specifically uh, for these people, we're attempting to do that cross-culturally, um, even with international students here in Lubbock, so that they gain exposure to that and how to share the gospel with people who've likely never heard it before or never read the Bible. And so those are just skills to learn. And then the second reason would be um, people come home from the field because of team conflict. And so um, within that first term, they are part of this team with people that they don't know. And, uh, you know, we're all part of the problem. 
Um, but we end up becoming resentful and bitter towards each other and you can't work through the conflict and we end up coming home because of those things. And so mm. we're uh, attempting in the nine months, like, hey, come gain practical and tangible skills of interpersonally relating with one another. And we're going to rub shoulders and we're going to get on each other's nerves and we're going to have to work through it. And so we provide um, simple like peace pursuit training. Like what does it look like to resolve conflict through the means of grace and remain on the same team, even as yep. we have some differences um, so that we can work towards that common goal of seeing uh, these unreached people groups worship Jesus. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are some people who go through this training and at the end of it, they d- they decide, you know, I'm actually not really cut out for going overseas. Um, so some 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 of this is like a vetting process that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and and maybe there are some cases where there's some people who aren't quite ready to go, and your mm-hmm. team would would advise them and say, um, you know, I don't really think that you're ready to go overseas yet. Right. Um, and you maybe yeah. need a little bit more training. So. Some of what you're doing is uh, putting those good discipline practices in place. And then some of what you're doing is also vetting uh, some of these younger people um, who are coming through and and just trying to help mm-hmm. them think through and discern if they're if they're called to go overseas um, so that we can avoid those team conflict issues, um, you know, if they're not ready to go over there yet. Is that right? Right. Yep. <clears throat> and I would say, too, that we're trying to do something in nine months that um, organizations, we love missions organizations, we're not replacing them. Um, We send people through organizations to specific teams, um, you know, across the board, whether that's the IMB or other uh, uh, organizations, um, and we love them, but IMB has like a three month training. um, And that's the longest that I know of for any organization. Uh, like that. Um, And then others are like trying to do that in two weeks or three weeks. Um, And, uh, and they're good at what they do. um, But it's nearly impossible to catch everything in a night uh, in that period of time. And what we're trying to do in nine months with people that we know deeply, because they're part of the church. So yeah, um, I think the the only component that I haven't mentioned is like, we want to multiply healthy churches among unreach. And so um, this is getting into a, a space where it's like, okay, a college student in Lubbock has never planted a church. Um, maybe they have, I'm just unaware. Um, but uh, that's just likely the, what, what, what is the case. Yeah. <laughs> and so if we're going to multiply healthy churches among the unreached, then you need to know um, in, in a practical sense what that looks like and kind of the roadmap to that. And so like, what do you do when someone says yes to Jesus? Like, how do you um, uh, disciple them into mm. maturity? Um, yeah. What is a church and how can we define that biblically? Can we? And how do you measure the health of a church? And then how do you d- begin to like contextualize these things into other cultures? These are all considerations that we're um, taking these people through. Yeah. Uh, let me move on to another question. What would you say yeah, is it. the hardest part of your ministry? Yeah. Um, I had to think about this one uh, for a little bit because, um, yeah, I, I love what we do. Um, obviously there's some painful things in, in ministry just because anytime you're dealing with people, like you're part of the problem and so are they. Um, and so, but even in that, like, um, there's a lot of rewarding aspects of it. Um, but I would say like the, the hardest part would be we invest heavily in people only to send them out. 
and that's yeah. rewarding, but it's also hard um, yeah, because no we doubt. have some people for nine months and then we have some people for three years. Um, like our family has sent and have had to say goodbye to dear friends who uh, are people that are like uncles and, and aunts to our kids and are like now among the unreached, um, uh, uh, making disciples and doing what we want them to do. Um, one of our mobilizers just got back and him and his wife are, um, you know, taking uh, steps to go there in the next uh, few months. And this is a dear brother um, of mine that I've known for seven years. Um, and I cherish him as a friend, coworker, um, and we're going to send him out joyfully. Um, but at the same time, like it is, uh, sad, uh, to see, um, these people go at times and it's hard. Yeah. Part of your job is to build these really deep connections, um, and relationships with these people and then to send them to the other side of the world. Um, yep. so that's definitely, that has to be a, a difficult aspect of the job. Yep. Brandon, could you, could you tell us a story of how God is working through launch global, like maybe a specific person who comes to mind or a specific thing that happened? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when, when I first started, um, mobilizing, so I had been in ministry for a time before I started doing this, at, at, uh, in Lubbock. And with Launch Global, um, but one of the first uh, guys that I interacted with was a college student, and he had transferred from you know one of our rivals uh, to Texas A and M, and so he came to the light um, and came to Texas Tech. So um, you know, uh, so he was already on a good trajectory there uh, coming here. Um, but he um, just I, I developed a, a friendship with him. He was doing a um, 10 week class on God's heart for the nations. Uh, we call it the mission of God. Um, and, uh, he was just in this class, just as an invite, you know, he was invited to it and he just wanted to learn more. It was something that he could leverage his time towards, but really no ambition to go overseas long-term, no desire. And it made sense. He had lost, um, both of his parents to cancer. Um, so he had mm. uh, experienced some tragic things. Um, and as I was walking with him, like it made sense. And I was just trying to encourage him like, Hey, um, just because you don't want to go overseas, like that doesn't mean you don't have an active role to play in the great commission and seeing nations reach with the gospel and worship Jesus. And so let's keep pressing in and figure that out, like what that means and tangible steps you could take. And so he even told me, uh, on the front end of that class, he said, uh, Brandon, if I, um, were to, you know, be honest with you, like, I have no desire to do this. It's like, all right, like, that's okay. You know, um, <laughs> And I'm glad you're here, right? Um, because that's going overseas is not like the only role to play. And then, you know, we made, maintain connection at the end of that 10 week class. He comes to me, we get coffee and he's like, Brandon, I don't know what happened, but uh, I'm all in. Like, unless the Lord tells me otherwise, uh, like I'm going to take steps to go and unless um, like, uh, and go through the process and, um, you know, if it doesn't check out, that's, that's fine. But like, I at least have that willingness to, yeah. to go and I'm convinced that this is what God desires. So fast forward, um, uh, three years now and, um, he, he and his wife are in South Asia long-term and are thriving. Um, and he's a language, uh, wizard, I would say like he's learning <laughs> language faster than most. And, um, man, I just, uh, celebrate stories like that, because, um, had he had never been asked and I'm not puffing myself up, but had he had never been asked or like challenged with a vision, um, and a need among the unreached, he would have never gone. It's the Lord's work, um, to, yep. to change people's hearts and to give them the desire to do something like that, you know? Um, yep. Yep. 
it's definitely not any anything that we can produce in somebody, but uh, the Lord produces that desire to uh, give your life up and to go and to serve and to, um, you know, work to reach these unreached people groups. Uh, it's a great yeah. story. Uh, let me ask you one yeah. more question Amen. and then I'll uh, let you get back to all your busy work that you have to do today. Um, how yeah. can Trinity Baptist be praying for you uh, specifically? Yeah, I think the the two biggest way, ways you could pray for us specifically is um, our baby in April is due um, April 18. And so we're going to be adjusting to a family of five with three kids under four. So just pray <laughs> for patience and um, yeah, that the Lord would give me and Kinsey wisdom as we um, uh, prior, prioritize our family first, right before like the mission and calling that he's given, but yeah, we can pray for energy for you too. Um, speaking as a new father, yeah. um, yeah. having three, I can only imagine <laughs> the, yeah. need, uh, the need yeah. for sleep a, and for energy. Yep. Yeah, every seven morning or 7am every morning, it's an eventful time. So pray for <laughs> us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the second thing would be, I go on sabbatical. So it's been eight years uh, that I've been in ministry. And so that's typically like a good, um, maybe a little bit past the time to to go on sabbatical. And, um, you know, I see it more in a proactive sense. Like I'm not coming into this thing on fire, praise the Lord. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the, the, the only reason to take a sabbatical, but our organization graciously offers us this um, yeah, in a proactive means. And so going into that, um, seeking to be renewed by the Lord and then just expecting him to provide clarity on what's the next eight years um, for us. Um, and don't see any like change of direction or anything like that, but uh, wanting to hear from the Lord and um, you just uh, be still and <laughs> um, not do things that I think that I should do, but things that he thinks we should do. Right. Well, it's a well-earned rest. Uh, it's, I mean, just, Growing up with you and uh, uh, going through high school together and then college and into ministry, it's just been a joy to watch the way that the Lord is using you. Um, and you you spoke a little bit about Ryan Miller, and I'll just give him a shout out too. Uh, I know that I wouldn't be where I am in ministry if it wasn't for his ministry to us. And so mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that guy and um, give him a lot of the credit yeah. for for where we are um, and, and how Absolutely. we love missions and, and want to see all the nations reached. Um, so it's just been yeah. a joy to, uh, to watch your ministry and uh, really thankful for you and appreciate your work. Yeah. Appreciate that. It all started with that pig farmer in Iowa is what Ryan used yeah, to say. That's what he always so used to tell us. <laughs> try to, try to, um, you know, leverage that pig farmer often <laughs> uh, here in our context. So. Yeah. Thank you to him too, wherever he is. Maybe he'll hear yep. the episode somehow. Who knows? <laughs> yep. One day we're going to meet him. One yeah, day. for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for making time. And uh, it's been great to hear about your ministry. And we will definitely be praying for you. And uh, just uh, thanks for joining us for our podcast. Appreciate it. Yep, appreciate it. Thank you to our audience for joining us for episode one. And be looking for episode two. It'll be coming shortly.